0: Welcome to Power Surge, your regular jolt of insight about energy, industry, and progress. I'm Alex Epstein, founder of the Center for Industrial Progress, and with me is Dr. Eric Dennis, Senior Fellow at the Center for Industrial Progress. Eric, what's going on? Not much. So – um, we're starting this program because we already have a monthly show, Power Hour, which delves deeply into energy issues for about an hour every month and I wanted to do something a little more short form, a little more uh, spontaneous and a little more timely about issues that come up in the energy world or the, the broader world of industrial progress and capitalism. And we're actually at the end of a Friday, maybe we should be going out, but there's a really interesting story that I wanted to hit, uh, and I definitely wanted to bring on Eric, uh, to discuss it, and that is there was a, a pretty major resignation from the American Physical Society having to do with their position on climate change. So Eric, what happened with that this week?
1: Uh, well, there was an individual, a physicist, uh, named Ivar Giaver, uh, who, uh, somewhat silently resigned from the APS and cc'd some of his friends on the email by which he did this. And he resigned uh, because of the APS's statement, uh, uh, basically asserting their view that there was a significant man-caused global warming. And the the language, especially in which they couched the statement, uh, namely that they, they considered it incontrover- incontrovertible uh, that this global warming existed and that, that it was caused by man. He found it ridiculous, um, especially given the, the kind of generalized attitude that exists in physics now where, um, it's considered not at all beyond the pale, uh, to cons, to, to theorize about such things as alternate universes, uh, that, you know, abound in this, Cornucopia of different possible universes and that have totally different properties than our own. Um, that kind, you know, these kinds of speculations that are utterly devoid of any uh, experimental content, experimental verification. Those are considered acceptable to talk about, but it's incontrovertible that man has caused a substantial global warming, and, it, and it's simply not acceptable to the APS to argue about these things. And he he found that. Position hypocritical and ridiculous, and so he resigned.
0: So I actually um, one benefit of, of this resignation for me is I actually took a look at that APS statement, which I don't know if I'd ever read it, and and I really recommend that people look at it and and don't be intimidated by this idea of, well, I'm not a scientist. I mean, Eric you know, has a PhD in physics. I'm not a PhD in physics, but don't don't take that attitude. Look at this statement just using common sense and ask yourself. Is this a rational statement? Does this really read like something that a scientific mind produced, or something that is coming from some sort of political or other corrupting process? Because we often hear from people like Al Gore that these, you know, every society uh, agrees that the, you know, this is true about climate change, and so how can you possibly disagree? And yet, what are they agreeing to? So if we, I'm going to just read a couple of, of sentences uh, from this because I found it just as someone with a background in philosophy and as a a former writing teacher, I would have failed anyone who wrote something this illogical. So the first sentence is, emissions of greenhouse gases from human activities are changing the atmosphere in ways that affect the Earth's climate. And then it goes on to say, and this is the incontrovertible line, the evidence is incontrovertible, global warming is occurring. Now just think about those two statements for a second. There's something really prominent missing from them. And that's any kind of specification of degree. So are human greenhouse gases changing the climate in a tiny way, in a major way? We don't know. All they say is that it's in the direction of warming. That's all these two statements amount to. It uses strong language like incontrovertible. So you think, wow, it must be a really powerful case. But all they're saying is incontrovertible is the temperature happens to be going in one direction. And that, you know, you could flip a coin and be right or wrong uh, about that issue. So there's something really odd just even about making these statements of the obvious. And usually in philosophy – when someone starts making obvious statements trying to prove a big conclusion, there is something corrupt going on. And the, the, the and corrupt thing comes in the next sentence, which is, if no mitigating actions are taken, significant disruption in the Earth's physical and ecological systems, social systems, security, and human health are likely to occur. So this is a complete non sequitur from what comes before. All that comes before is greenhouse gases um, affect the Earth's climate somehow, which everyone – uh, agrees with. Greenhouse, the greenhouse effect is real. The issue is, is it a really minor thing coming from humans or is it a really major thing? And that depends on things like feedback loops, which we've discussed uh, on Power Hour, hypothetical feedback loops in many cases. Um, but yet, they're going on to state this incredibly dramatic thing of there's this catastrophe that's very likely, is what they're saying, and so that, that should strike you as, okay, well, this is a really dramatic statement, and yet they don't provide any evidence, and there is no evidence in the whole document for this. And it's in part striking because to know it's a catastrophe, you have to know a lot more than a physicist can know. You need to know a lot of economics to know that even if the temperature warms, that human beings can't adapt to it. And also you would need to know a lot of economics to know that these so-called mitigating actions, which means slashing CO2 sometimes by 80%, 100% different proposals, you need to know that those are non-catastrophic because they're saying it's catastrophic if we don't take those actions and yet economics might tell you it's catastrophic if we do. So this is a completely uninformed statement that is making a completely arbitrary assertion um, and yet scientists allegedly are all sort of behind it, and at the end of it, and then I have a couple of questions for you, Eric, but at the end it says we it urges governments, universities, natural national laboratories, and its membership to support policies and actions that will reduce the emission of greenhouse gases. So basically it's saying we've given you no evidence for this incredibly dramatic statement that we're completely unqualified to make, and yet you guys all go in lockstep. That's That's my interpretation. So Eric, I'm curious if you think I'm being too hard on them. Um, and whether I am or not, can you talk about what process produces this kind of statement? Because I can't imagine one reputable scientist generating a statement like this.
1: Right. Well, first off, I think you're exactly right in the sense that they're, they have this mantle of the American Physical Society, which has all this prestige associated with it. And yet they're, they're delving into fields that are kind of a necessary component of this grand statement they're making, fields which, as you said, they have absolutely no expertise. So to someone whose whose attention is not, you know, intently focused on what is the nature of this scientific body, one just gets the impression that the set of scientists has come to this conclusion, but clearly physicists don't know anything necessarily, or they don't have special expert knowledge about these areas, um, Related to economics and 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 uh, human well-being over long timescales, um, and so it, it just it's it's incredible uh, that a scientific body, a gust supposedly scientific body, would would uh, kind of smuggle in its prestige into a field that it knows very well that it has no uh, no business talking about.
0: So. The million-dollar question, how does this happen? What's what's the mechanism by which all the members of this society, which I assume include many people you respect and probably people you know, how does this society stand behind this incredibly destructive piece of intellectual corruption that is allowing people to make dramatic policy decisions, even if those policy decisions were correct, which I, I don't believe they are, even remotely, um, but even if they were, this would be a completely corrupt way of, of going about them. So what what is responsible for this corrupt and distinctively unscientific uh, approach?
1: Right, and, and it's certainly true that uh, the membership of the APS includes many, many uh, scientists of high integrity, highly intelligent individuals who deserve respect, and uh, the key fact here is that these societies are not run by their members. They're run by some kind of executive board um, that tends to be populated not by the guys who necessarily are the, the best in their field, but, but uh, disproportionately by guys who are more political, uh, physicists who have an inclination uh, to, to not necessarily do uh, research in physics, but to uh be part of a governing body that has the the uh the kind of authority to speak on behalf of physics in some abstract way so the the critical error here is in assuming that a one of these societies actually speaks on behalf of all of its members and that's certainly not true and beyond that um, there are other questions about uh what what are the processes by which members of the APS would register their disagreement with some kind of statement that the APS makes like this. Um, And the unfortunate fact is that there is a stigma associated with sticking your neck out and making a point of politically contradicting uh, some organization like the APS within the scientific community. The, the, The view that one would typically encounter on doing this is, why are you really too concerned about these political issues when what you should really be concerned with is, you know, the detailed content of your own research? Um, So while that's, it's not uh, a stultifying, or I would even say it's not a chilling uh, condition within the physics community, it's definitely, it's an influence on people. And one can surmise that there are quite a number of physicists who don't at all agree with the a p s statement in fact, it doesn't need to surmise that I mean one already knows that um, a, a couple of years ago there was uh there was a statement signed by many, many physicists who were current or former members of the a p s who um, who disagreed with their position on climate change and man caused global warming in particular uh so the, uh, the thing one needs to, to make sure of is just that one doesn't assume that a given scientific society really speaks for the totality of uh, scientists within that field. It's, it's a more complicated political process that gives rise both to the picture to of the people who run the society um, and then to the kinds of positions they take. Yeah,
0: well, we should definitely talk about this, uh, just the nature of the societies more in the future because I'm, I'm very dubious of any kind of, of society like this that even taking positions seems to be – I don't know why – what is the value in a society taking a position on this kind of thing? I mean maybe I could see something like an ethical issue. I mean, they should definitely take a position on the ethics of making unethical statements like this uh, in terms of uniform practices that people agree to, assuming those are uh, uh, agreeable. But in terms of – I mean, you settle science by competing in the marketplace of ideas. I mean, do they take positions on relativity? I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. The, the whole thing seems designed to manufacture statements and positions that will – allow people to wield uh, influence and political power uh, they don't deserve. What do you think of that?
1: Uh, I think in in many ways that's right. I mean, there is no official codification of physics. It's not like, you know, the Communist Party where there's, there's a set of doctrines and everyone has to be a party member and sign off. There's simply the rational conviction that the great majority of physicists have in a certain body of ideas and um, you you don't need some kind of formal body to write all of those things up in a book and stamp their approval on it. Um, The field itself organically produces textbooks and and surveys uh, and other kinds of research materials which make it clear to any objective observer that there is a certain body of material which the vast majority of physicists agree about. Uh, you know the nature of electromagnetism, the nature of uh, what we could call classical mechanics and the the gross properties of of bodies we're used to from everyday life, and things down to the you know what matter looks like on the molecular level, how how the sun produces energy to the to the organi- organization of stars in our galaxy, all of these things, a whole panoply of things and re- re- really an integrated structure of knowledge are utterly non-controversial to physicists. Um, you don't need a body to express approval about that. What you need a body for is when you want to smuggle in some kind of scientific authority and really make controversial statements that a large fraction of physicists would not agree with. That That is the only time that somehow a body does something that's not uh, totally superfluous, and that's precisely the time when such a scientific body ought not to speak so in in a certain sense these scientific organizations are really um, they, they their reason for existing is questionable um, there there's also been a tendency for kind of more independent minded physicists there's been a history of them um, being critical of these bodies richard Feynman is uh, is famous for um Realizing after a period of time, uh, having, having been a member of, um, I believe it was the National Academy of Sciences, uh, having, having realized that in his opinion, the, uh, the main function of this body was to get together and decide who, who is august enough to be admitted to the body, um, and, and viewing this as, as kind of a noxious, hypocritical kind of a, uh, uh, affair, that he simply he wasn't interested in being part of it anymore, and he he resigned from it and was hounded for years afterward by uh, representatives from the body who uh, felt that a a Nobel Prize winner um, with the reputation of a Feynman. Uh, resigning himself from the body was some kind of uh, political mark against it. He was hounded for years afterward with them trying to get re-enter it. Uh, so there, there, there's been an interesting interaction between certain uh, more iconoclastic or independent minds within uh, science and the scientific bodies which. Uh, arrogate to themselves in certain circumstances the the prestige of the whole science.
0: Yeah, if only we had uh, Richard Feynman around still today for for many many reasons. All right, well let's uh, let's wrap up there. Thanks, uh, Eric, for joining me. And uh, audience, let us know. Do you like Power Surge? If so, or if not, email me at alex at alexepstein dot com. Feel free to suggest topics give us any kind of feedback uh we're looking forward to doing a lot more of these uh in the future so until next time uh this is alex er- uh, this is alex epstein and eric dennis with power surge